unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. Tonight is an actual very special evening. Uh, we have the esteemed honor of Senator Jeff Brandis from Florida joining us tonight. We've got 30 minutes of his time. We're going to hit the ground running. Uh, no introductions or whatnot needed. And um, Senator Brandis, if you'd go ahead and give us just a little bit of backstory on you, how long you've been in it. And as, as I understand, this is your um, last term, correct? My 12th year in the Florida legislature, I served two years in the Florida House, I've done 10 years in the Florida Senate, I am uh, ready to be termed out. Uh, some people complain about term limits. Uh, I have uh, four small kids, so I'm excited about it, uh, so I can go home and, and watch the kiddos. Most of them have never known me outside this process, so they know that their dad disappears off the face of the earth 120 days out of the year. So I uh, let me tell you, I, I was born and raised in Florida. I grew up going to a small Christian school where my mom was headmaster. I joined the Army seven days after high school, mostly away from her. I spent 11 years in the military. I spent, uh, uh, I spent uh, after I got back from home from the military, I thought I'd come back and work for their, my family business, which they promptly sold. And I joined the legislature in 2010 uh, in the Florida House, spent two years of the tour of duty in the Florida House, then moved over to the Florida Senate, uh, spent and, and have spent uh, 10 years in the Florida Senate, have been reelected in 10, 12, 14, 16 and 18. And then just finishing up my uh, my last my last uh, tour of duty in the in the Florida Senate and worked predominantly on. All things from uh, self-driving cars, property insurance, and criminal justice reform are probably the three things I'm, I'm, I'm most, most known for working on. But I like to tackle tough problems. I would describe myself as a Republican with a little R and a Libertarian with a capital L. Gotcha. Awesome. That's me. So if you uh, – I just want to make real sure real quick. Iris, you still with us? Uh, yes, I'll go through. All right, cool. So, Senator, if you would not mind, go ahead and kind of give us the rundown of the proposal that you have for the training wage. And firstly, I do want to apologize sure. because I think when the Twitter conversation happened, I think everybody was really gearing on the 425. But according to things I've read, you're expecting it to be around 10. Is that correct? I don't. So, so I mean, it'll be somewhere around 10. You know, I, it's hard to know exactly because the way that my bill sets it up is is it says, uh, that it has to be set basically by uh, a study that the legislature does. So here's the argument, right? The argument essentially is as the minimum wage rises, there are people that are going to be winners. Absolutely. But there's people that are going to lose too. And who are the people that are going to lose? Well, the people that are going to lose are the people with low skills or no skills that are unlikely to get a job um, and will will not will basically be discriminated against by their applications being put at the bottom of the pile. Who are these? Well, these are typically groups that have very, you know, higher than normal unemployment rates, groups with two, three, four times the national unemployment rate. Now, this conversation obviously is better when the, you know, it was better in 2020 when we had COVID and uh, the unemployment rates were through the roof than they are today when unemployment rates are, are very, very low. I think the, the statewide unemployment rate in Florida is, is in the three to 4% mark. But you know we're basically at full employment today. So the real question is, is like, who, how do we help the people that ultimately potentially lose on this end? And there's a lot of research on this stuff and a lot of economists have, have opined on this. 
And, and there's just broad consensus that there's going to be winners and there's a lot of people that are going to win by a $15 hour minimum wage. But, but I think it's, it's honest to say that there are people who are going to be, who, who are going to lose out. And those are generally, as we described in our Twitter feed, the hard to hire. The people that are teens that are just starting out in the workforce, they, they have no skills. Like they've just, you know, they're 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, and they've just never worked before. Or the people with low skills um, that have, that are, that are, you know, maybe have done one job, but basically not really worked. And, and then you have the other groups that are like, you know, my passion is for felons and trying to get them, you know, reintroduced to society and getting them working again. Uh, so you have these groups that have multiple times the state unemployment rate. You know, felons often have 25 to 30 percent unemployment uh, if they're recently incarcerated. And so what is the what? It, how do we mitigate and provide a pathway for them to find employment? So the tri- temporary training wage, which is, again, offered in 30 states and the federal government offers a temporary training wage is really designed to encourage them to enter the workforce and encourage employers to hire them and bring them on because my whole goal is get them engaged, get them employed, and then get them into a, you know, at least a minimum wage, if not more job. The beauty of a training wage is that it's completely voluntary. It's voluntary for the employer to offer it. It's involuntary for the employee to accept it. If they can find a better job, go with peace, find a better job, we want you to do that. That's like, it's, you know, basic economics. You got, you get the freedom of, of where you want to go. And frankly, the marketplace decides, but if you can't find a better job and somebody offers you a temporary training wage job, well, now you have a, a pathway to a better life. Um, and so we're essentially what I'm, the goal here is for those who need it, we add an extra rung to the ladder of success by saying that first rung for some is just too far. And so how do we add this extra rung and allow people the opportunity to to step on that and, and then get into a regular wage job? Awesome. So that's basically the the, the, the crux of a temporary training wage. All right. So one thing I wanted to ask you is, all right, as you've said, it's voluntary, uh, you know, for mm-hmm. those seeking employment, but also employers as well. However, one could assume that there would be no need for this legislation unless some businesses are backing your proposal. Having said that, are you able to share what businesses or business sectors have shown support? Well, I think a variety of business sectors have shown support. I mean, I, I, you know, I've talked to restaurant lodging association groups that have shown support, but the beauty for me is I'm termed out. I'm, I, I'm not running again. I'm not raising money to run again. Um, I am, I'm done with the legislative process. And, and so my the the pureness of my heart here is how do I help people with no skills, low skills get engaged and get employed? For example, felons. We know that the two leading factors for felons to reenter society and to be successful when they reenter society is what kind of family are they going back to, and what and do they have a job? If they're going back to a family that's in chaos and they have no job the likelihood that they're going to commit new crimes is very high. I can't control the family, but I can potentially help them find a job. The challenge in Florida is of my 80,000 inmates in the state of Florida, 40,000 of them can't read past the sixth grade level. Wow. And so we have to find ways for people who can't read past the sixth grade level to find employment in this marketplace. 
And the bulk of the research shows that that employers just are unwilling to hire recently released felons and those with no skills or low skills. Excellent. Um, Irish, you have a question? Um, I, I think that um, some of what you said there, I, I, I kind of in, instinctively agree with. What, what I'd like to know is that um, you're, you're trying to create an incentive for, for people to enter the workforce, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's correct. So in a sense, this, in a way, they are paying for that. Uh, would it not be more appropriate, for example, uh, to offer some sort of a tax deductible incentive to a business, uh, and perhaps you can, you could, you you could have even um, say tied that to a business that uh, turns over less than half a million dollars to make, keep it local, and make sure that, that big, you know, multinationals don't keep, uh, take uh, advantage of it. Uh, my, my my instinctive, I, I think you can understand the optics of this is not great. Um, because most of us here listening to this would uh, would have started at a minimum wage, which would have been the de facto uh, trading wage. Um, but it would have been more palatable, I believe, if people were not essentially charged for their own trading. Well, again, people aren't really charged for their own training. Here, here's the thing: the other option for them is to remain unemployed. That is, if they can't find another job they're going to be unemployed. And so the here the, what we're trying to do is create a pathway to a minimum wage job plus. And we're trying to offer an incentive not to the employee because the employee has the incentive to look for work. We have to offer an incentive to the employer that's simple, that's scalable, and that doesn't require a boatload of government paperwork because in the states that offer those types of incentives, like you know, uh, uh, income tax exemption or other tax exemptions, businesses just don't do it. There, I mean, you can look around the country, and there's multiple states that have some type of incentive like that. But for the most part, most businesses don't do it. They don't engage their employees, even under the temporary training wage. I think you would see a vast majority, like 95% of businesses, just not want to deal with it. Uh, and so you're only talking about a small percentage of businesses that are looking to hire teens, uh, recently incarcerated, and those with low or no skills. And so what we're trying to do here is just create a pathway for those groups. Uh, it's not for those people who have tra- you know, they, they've been working for 10 years and they're going to change jobs and they're going to move to a new job and they get a temporary training wage. First of all, most people, like nobody would take that job. They wouldn't take it. They would say, listen, listen, my my time is worth more than that. I'm going to move into a, a profession that, that's going to pay me appropriately. Nobody swings from one vine to an, w- without knowing usually where the other vine is. And so the goal here is to get people who have never been on the vine, like this is their first time to get a something they can grip onto and then they can start swinging. So at the end of the day, my, my goal here is how do we incentivize people to to how do we incentivize companies to hire people they otherwise just simply would not consider? They would put their application at the bottom of the pile. When you're looking at a stack of 10 applications and other people have work experience and somebody comes in and they're, you know, I got out of jail or I got out of prison two years ago or, or, or six months ago or three months ago, or I'm 16 years old and I've never had a job before. You go, look, I'm going to put that on the bottom pile and I'm going to look for somebody who's more experienced. 
versus companies that are proactively looking for those com- for those individuals so they can help train them and grow them into protective members. It lowers the risk for those companies to do that. Um, piggy, piggybacking off of that, we had a question come through the chat. Um, if they're a felon, then does your bill affect how they're treated if they check that box saying, yes, they've been convicted? No, the bill doesn't affect how they're treated. I'm not. So, so there's people out there who are like ban the box. And I understand that. And I understand that philosophy. If it worked, um, it might be something I could consider. The simple truth is in vast majority of circumstances, it doesn't work. People simply discriminate. They discriminate because within a Google search, I can do a background check on pretty much anybody. I can find out whether you've been, you know, whether you've been incarcerated before. Virtually every business that I know of uh, does some type of simple background check, and your felony is going to pop, or your misdemeanor offense is going to pop pretty darn quickly. And so, how do we, you know, the my I would much rather have companies that have a proactive stance of looking at people and saying, listen, we're actually looking for people who have a former criminal record and we're willing to hire them. And that's whether that's their their civic duty or they feel like that's just their public good that they're doing. I don't care. But how do we encourage and incentivize employers to hire them in Florida? That looks like liability protection. It could be other benefits that that company receives. One of the benefits could be you can offer a temporary, you know, you, you can offer a temporary training wage and incentivize people to come work for you and then basically do a trial run with that person. When somebody gets out of prison, you, you don't know what you're getting. And it's a, a risk for an employer to bring that person on. So if I can do a trial run with you for a few weeks or a month or three months, then it may be worth for me to bring you on and, and pay you a higher wage in the future. That does make sense. Um, my question would be, though, uh, when it comes to, you know, former incarcerated and ex-felons and such, uh, is there any kind of like behind the scenes talk or some sort of framework being, you know, worked upon to ensure that these individuals, they make it past the six months and they retain their employment? Well, Look, I don't think employers are looking to churn employees. I, I really don't. I mean, may, there may be some other different perspectives out there of saying these businesses don't care. But every business I've ever been involved in, for the most part, it takes time, energy, and effort. And if you get a good employee, you want to retain them. You you know the value of, of that employee. And so the last thing you want to do is bring somebody to the six month mark, cut them free and then have to start back over, not knowing whether that person's going to show up for work, not knowing what their family situation is, if they're going to be taking time off in the first 20 days. Uh, you, you want to know the value of that employee. And so how do we incentivize businesses to at, at scale, which is the big problem? How do we incentivize businesses at scale to bring in employees that they otherwise simply wouldn't consider. And in Florida, we don't have an income tax, so you can't offer an income tax break. We have a, we have a, a business tax, but if you've got to go through a lot of paperwork to, fi- to bring one employee on or five employees on, you're just going to not do it, especially if you're a large business or even if you're a small business because you don't want to screw up the forms and then be fined for it. So what ends up happening is they just don't, they don't bring them on. They don't, they don't participate in the program. Got you. Irish. 
Yeah, I, I think you touched on something there, um, uh, Jeff. The, I, I, in my experience, uh, I, I've hired a lot of uh, what you would call uh, hard to hires. Uh, the biggest problem is actually the company most of the time. It's the HR departments uh, mm-hmm. and, and things. Like, so I, I think there, there was an opportunity here because I, 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 you do come across as genuine, in particular with the with felons, that you do want them to actually better themselves when they come out. That if it was more localized in their own communities, it, you know, I, I, I do think something along the lines of the you know, going going down the route that you could have done this in, in some sort of a tax way, but it just, in terms of the minimum wage, is frankly not great anyway. Like, you you know, inflation, sir, with respect, has completely obliterated the last time that the minimum wage, sure. you know, so it, to, to offer somebody a training wage, um, like, you know, for example, uh, at the training wage, let's just say $10 an hour, roughly speaking. You know, if they work full time, which is about 40 hours, $400 a week, let's mm-hmm. say there's no deductions. I mean, that's $1,600 a month. I mean, sir, the, the rent in, in, in your own town is likely to be higher than that. So it is, absolutely. Know, in all fairness, the, what I'm saying to you is that the incentive, when I began my working career, and I'm in it a while, not quite as long as Steve, but one, one week's wages used to cover my rent, sir. Right. You know, so the problem I'm putting to you is the market. The market's screwed. And, and, and the more should be done from a governmental point of view to try and regulate things like that. Uh, and I know you don't like regulation uh, in general, and I, I don't either. I think it interferes with the market. But at the same time, the problem is far, far greater than a simple project like you're trying to do. And I do, I do think you're genuine. I think what you're trying to do get felons, you know, re, you know, reintroduce this to society, be productive. Absolutely, I'm behind that. But they're entering a market that's screwed, completely screwed. Yeah, listen, if there's better ideas out there, I'm open to them. And I've always been open to them. We, we you know, the, in Florida, the reentry process is 50 bucks on a bus pass. Mm-hmm. How often, how long do you think you can stay out there for 50 bucks in a bus pass? That's why they're living under bridges within 48 hours because they've blown through their money and now they've got no family to go back to because they've been incarcerated for 20 years and now your family's all gone and or moved on and you got no place to go. And what do you do? So if I can get you in a halfway house for 30, 60, 90 days and I can get you a tramp your training wage and I can get you started on a job. That's a start. Look, they're, they're, they're just, it's government. There aren't perfect solutions to these problems. There's no panacea to reentering people into society. You do the best you can and you try to figure out programs that, that work at scale, that are simple and that businesses may participate in. But tax credits around the country on these types of issues do not work, not at scale. Mm-hmm. They may work for one business that's large enough to, to, to go through the paperwork and everything else like that. But mom and pop businesses aren't going to file paperwork with the governor to hire somebody for, for three or four bucks extra an hour, less an hour. They just aren't going to do it. So how do you find these programs that work at scale? This is why 30 states do this. This is why the federal government allows it. And, and, and that's the key is like 
It works in other states. Now, some states are getting away from it, and I think that's largely political. And it's largely because the economy has shifted so much that, that politically, it doesn't make sense for potentially for them to have a training wage on their books. But it doesn't mean it's bad policy going forward. It doesn't mean that it will not work in the future if the market changes and we go back to higher unemployment rates for groups like teens and recently released felons. We have to find solutions that work at scale. And this is one of them. Awesome. Uh, okay, so another question from our chat. And this really kind of is uh, the crux of where a lot of us sit. And and, and I do I, I mirror Irish's sentiment. You are absolutely 100% sincere in what you're trying to do. And it's a great thing, actually, you know, trying to get people that do not have much of a chance to give them one. But uh, one of the questions was they asked if you had ever worked for or closely with customer service employers because the general feeling amongst them is that most employers would 100% find a way to abuse this. Now, I know you, you had said there's no incentive for them to do so. So kind of putting this together, is there any kind of agency or regulation or anything just to protect these employees to make sure that you don't have companies that are just turning and burning for the sake of a lower payroll. Yeah. So listen, if you've ever been in, in, the, in the business in Florida, we have our, 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 our trial attorneys. I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen the billboard from John Morgan that size matters and all this other stuff uh, of, of the trial attorney world. Um, if you get let go in Florida, you know, there's a one, there's about a 50, 50 shot that your employee, that the employer is going to get sued and they the litigation rules the roost here in Florida. And so I can tell you in my businesses, when we let people go, we get sued all the time for things that are totally frivolous that we we've written them up. We've done all this stuff, right. And we still get litigated against. Um, and so really there's an entire market out there of people uh, circling to sue businesses if they start churning employees or they're not following the law to the letter of how employees should, should be treated. But most businesses have no desire, again, to, to hire new employees every 30, 60, 90 days. It just isn't worth the time, energy, and effort to save 3 or $4 an hour. You'd rather have somebody that you know is going to show up, that you know is going to do a job, good job, that you know they're going to put their heart into this thing, that cares about the company, that cares about the people that they work with. That that's the kind of employee that I I beg for every day. Um, versus somebody who's going to show up, you who may not show up at all, or is going to call in sick four days a week, and and you, you can't depend on. So, can I say no business is ever going to do this? No, I can't. Do I gotta say most businesses aren't? Yeah, I can say that. And I can also tell you that, frankly, that's I'm okay with that because my goal is to help those who are recently incarcerated and those who have no skills or low skills find employment. And if the worst thing that happens is they get let go, they have now three or four or five months of work experience that they can put on their resume and go to their next employer and get a better job. In regards to going to like another job or whatnot, so is this a one and done when you enter this, let's say you finish the six months training and let's say you get a better opportunity or let's just say something happens, maybe the business goes under or whatnot and you go to apply somewhere else. Do you go back into that six month if they choose so or are you done? No, I mean, it's really, again, it's up to the employee. 
if, if you if you go from one job to another, now you've got six months of work experience, uh, and you you know hopefully left on decent ter- you know potentially left on decent terms with your previous employer, um, but you move on to the next job and they hire you again. Let's say five percent of businesses are offering some type of training wage, which means ninety five percent of businesses are hiring at the minimum wage or greater. What are the chances of you going to one of those other five percent businesses? Not great. A vast majority of you are going to go into the 95% of the businesses that are offering a training wage or better. And so most people aren't going to swing from from a training wage job to another training wage job. 99% of people aren't going to find themselves in that situation. Is somebody? Sure. But there's a reason they're taking another training wage job if they have other if there are other options available. Right. Uh, uh, you know, one of the biggest concern for for most of us that are watching right now is is the fear of abuse. And like you said, are some people going to do it? Yes. Would most of them? Uh, probably not. You are probably correct there. But let's let's look at like low income businesses. We'll use for example Dollar Tree. Okay. They recently had to jack their prices up to a buck twenty five because of inflation and supply demands and whatnot. I can tell you from being a store manager for Dollar Tree for several years. They hire their cashiers in at the lowest rate possible, okay? So typically, mm-hmm. in like a Dollar Tree environment, say your district has 10 stores. You're going to have the number one performing financial store. You're going to have the, the worst store, which is number 10. What's to stop a company like that that's already operating on razor-thin margins to take that lowest volume store, and all of a sudden it became a training location with the sole purpose of saving payroll dollars to, to protect their profit margins that is that's yeah, kind of what we're looking at as far as you know abuse because it will happen and you're i would say you're pretty much correct that most companies themselves would not do that but it comes down to the culture of these companies and the message gets lost you know down the pipe and then you've got regionals and district managers mandating to their store managers they have to do this and what we're just looking for yeah. is some kind of stopgap measure to ensure that does not take place. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I mean, you're not going to stock an employee with a, 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 a business that has a million dollars worth of inventory. Even Dollar Tree has got you know $180,000 worth of inventory in there with some junior, with, with somebody who's got no experience and um, and is on a temporary training wage job day after day after day after day after day because you'd have more money walking out the back door than you had walking out the front door through shrinkage. You, you have to, I mean, businesses care about the, the, the people that are, that are watching the shop. Uh, and that's why they, they add value. It's not just like you're the cashier. You're also the cashier and the security guard. Well, to your point, specifically speaking a dollar tree that that is the case they they do operate in a way that would not be i guess you would say ethically correct for them to adopt this measure and when you're a store manager for 30 years or whatnot you become complicit in these things that we think are going to happen because the order has come down from upon high to exploit people for less money and this is this is factual let's say let's say store store 10 has a store manager Mm -hmm. and their job is to hire the temporary training wage employees and then at the end of the six months they let the temporary training wage employee go and that temporary training wage employee goes to store number two 
and takes a job there and says, hey, I got six months of experience at store number 10. Well, that is a possibility. Is that employee? They, they do have the... Right. Is that, employee, is that employee worse off? No, they're actually better off because now they're getting a better wage and they've got six months or three months of experience at store number 10. Perhaps, but so, in the meantime, they've been exploited. Well, no, in the meantime, they've been trained. No, they've been exploited because they're doing the same they, job they, for, this, for, for a different wage. No, no, because if they could have get, gotten a job at store number two for a higher wage, why didn't they take it? Correct. Now, the the one thing that, that you, you hit on right there, um, as far as, you know, the training goes, okay? So, as we've discussed, most of these states that have this, it's a 90-day window, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and that's from date of hire. That's consecutive calendar days. It's not 90 working days. Sure. So, you're proposing six months, and I'm just curious mm -hmm. as to, to why, and, you know, if there's some sort of data sure. that supports that's the move, because... That's no, where le legislative, yeah, yeah, legislative 101 is you always ask for more than what you ultimately want. And so when I go into committee and I get complaints and they say, well, why isn't it 30 days and I, or 60 days or 90 days? And I say, OK, well, let's if, if it makes it 90 days, would you support it then? And they go, yeah, I go, great. Let's make OK, it that makes sense. And I'll do it right here. On the that makes perfect sense. Right. I mean, there is. There is a little bit of poker to the game of legislation. And what you ultimately want is, you know, so you put in the four, you know, that you can match the federal federal wage at 425. Do I actually want that? No, I actually don't because I'm not going to get it, but I build it in so I can pull it out. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense now, but who's going to, who's going to be the deciding factor on what the wage is going to be? Do you know? So we do a study every three years. To determine what the what the what the wage should be for the temporary training wage, what what's going to impact unemployment of these hard to hire groups? Is it going to be ten dollars an hour and the minimum wage is fifteen? Because even if my bill goes into law, uh, even if it passes constitutional muster and, and gets into the constitution, it won't go into effect until twenty twenty three, at the earliest, like or potentially January of twenty twenty four. So we got a lot of time. Before this would actually take place, and the in, in Florida, the minimum wage would be fourteen, fifteen bucks by right. Because you're 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 slated to hit fifteen in twenty twenty six, correct? That's correct. Awesome, um, Senator. Uh, I know you said you had thirty minutes. We've ran over. I do not want to take up any more of your time. If you've got something you need to do, it's totally up to you. If you need to jet, that is perfectly fine. Um, if you, I do. I got a place to be at nine, but I really appreciate you guys the opportunity. To come on, I listened to last week's episode. I really appreciate the the candidness and the and the um, and the, uh, the the conversation tonight. I really do. I really appreciate it. And I hopefully you understand my intent is. And if you look at my legislative history and the things that I've done in the past and my advocacy for criminal justice reform, my goal here is to actually solve a real problem, which is my belief that when you raise the minimum wage, there are winners. And unfortunately, there are people that get left out and, are lose, and, and lose out. And how do I mitigate that harm? And 30 states and the feds try to mitigate that harm by allowing employers to offer a temporary training wage. My goal is to simply model what those other states are doing. Is it gonna pass? It's probably unlikely that it's gonna pass this year. But it's my last year, and I'm just trying to put my best ideas forward to help the state of Florida. Thank you all for Thank, thank you, you so much, much, sir, and enjoy uh, your post-government life here soon. 
<laughs> I look forward to it. My kids. All right. Have. Thank See you so you. much, Senator. All right, everybody. So that's where we're at. Um, what's everybody think? Irish? Well, well, um, I, I do think that he is sincere in what he's trying to do. Uh, in particular, he spoke very passionately about the um, the, the, the criminal justice system. Um He's got some very good points uh, in terms of the challenges that they do face uh, coming out of that system. I do, however, disagree that they should be essentially, you know, kind of uh, exploited and charged for for the um, privilege of being trained. Um, and the same would go for um, the kind of other hard to hires, the, the teens. I do think that, though, they're the problem really does lie in the nature of this podcast in retail, because I know for a fact, I didn't want to really get into an argument with him, but no more than what you said about Dollar Tree. I've worked for places that, uh, you, you know, they, they would exploit that in one second. No problem. I'll be honest with you. It took a lot to keep my composure. I don't know if the screen <laughs> color showed my face getting red, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, but hey, look, let's be real honest here. He admitted well, he may not be privy to that, though. Yeah, you know. but, but he admitted here on the stream. Would some businesses do that? Yes. So they there's your policy. <laughs> yeah, there, there's your answer. All right. So so now we know. All right. So so he's not going into this blind. He's fully aware that businesses can and will exploit this. And I will also back up what I said. I think there are some companies out there where your CEOs have great intentions, but, you know, as the fuck today would know and, and maiden and whatnot, the message gets lost as it comes down the pike and you've got DMS and RVPs with different plans. And those are the ones who are really going to push, you know, this exploitation because that's cheap labor, you know, period. Um, Blame time, I, I, I do agree with you. I think he does mean well recently, you know, for the incarcerated. I know, you know, he's had a hand in some criminal justice reform there. Um, I do believe, you know, he did make a point to talk about putting them in halfway houses. And that kind of alleviates some of the burden of cost because they have somewhere, there, somewhere they can go. But, you know, if he sticks to his word and six months is just so he can pull it back, I don't see any way how six months would pass anyway because the the rest of the country, the, the other 30 states that do this, it's 90 days. And, you know, convicted felon or not, uh, the one comment I've made, you know, I, I was telling Irish, we're in a situation where the, the labor market's so bad that it's a buyer's market to go get employment and it, you're going to have businesses that are desperate to hire people. They're going to take a chance on ex felons and pay them better than what the training wage is going to be. Cause they're just hurting for people, you know? And, um, yeah. but it's, uh, there again, blame tag. I think you would agree with this. The underlying theme never changed. Something's better than nothing. Right. So, but you know, that was interesting. And, and the guys, you know, I want to appreciate everybody, you know, for coming out, uh, I didn't know how long he was going to be on. Um, I knew that, you know, we had to start late because of it. And, um, you know, when we came on, you know, before we came live, you know, he said, I've got 30 minutes and Hey, look, I've got no problem with that because 
you know, he didn't have to do this. And the one thing I will say about him is obviously he's passionate about what he's trying to do with, you know, especially the formerly incarcerated because he's willing to come on like this little podcast to get his message out. And I do have to give him props for that because he didn't have to, he could have ghosted us. He could have said, you know, whatever, but I give him all the credit in the world, you know, for showing up. And that's awesome. And, you know, I think it's a very big step for, you know, our community to see things like this happen. And uh, yeah, you're right. Blame tag in circles. It's the whole circle back thing. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. And plus you guys got to see me without a hat. That's, that's a rarity. So that was my, that was my idea of dressing respectable for the Senator, not wear a baseball cap. So, <laughs> but uh hero says, yeah, but saying that if they check that box, then, oh, well, how does it help exactly? Look, the the actual uh, logistics of this, you know, the majority of retailers, especially. Oh, thank you. Blame tag. Um, it, it's the background check issue. That's an issue. All right. You know, that's a big, large roadblock to this plan. And it's only going to be certain businesses, you know, unless Dollar Tree started background checking everybody, which they don't, they didn't, you know, they're going to wind up going to places that God, they're going to hate working anyway. Can you imagine being in jail for like 30 years and you get out and your first job with a training wage is going to a dollar store and seeing the bullshit that you put up with there? You walk in all of a sudden, okay, it's just you and one other person working and you got people mad and there's lines and whatnot. I think that would be more discouraging than the training wage, to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, Irish, I mean, what, what's your take? I mean, you've got, you've got far more of an economic background than I do. Look, um, just fr- from, from an economic point of view, of you, um, there is no incentive to do this. <clears throat> the, the The only time that you would take this offer uh, of a training wage is if that you you, you were were desperate. I mean, n- nobody is going to take half the minimum wage in order to get the minimum wage when the minimum wage is already a poverty wage. You know, uh, the the problem I see is that is that. Um, this is actually kind of separate to uh, what 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 Jeff w- was saying. That the the market is 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 just screwed. Um, he he could have perhaps introduced this at a time that was uh, uh, a bit more um, advantageous to him. But when you have a market, as you call it, like a, the the buyer's market, you know where is the incentive to to. <coughs> To, to to uptake this, I just don't see it. Well, here's the interesting thing: Did anybody catch when I asked him about what business sectors? Okay, pop quiz: What's the number one source of revenue in the state of Florida? Tourism. Right. And what was one of the sectors he named? <laughs> Tourism and hospitality. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, look, uh, from from my kind of um, you know basic understanding of uh, of just you know supply and demand, there needs to be some sort of an incentive. I, I do think it goes back to um, that people are just not getting paid what they're worth, even at entry level. Like there's just no incentive to even you know to 
basically live on the breadline and work at a place like you described, like Dollar works, you know. Um, But on top of that, like, you know, today's people that are entering the market are are not entering the same market that you and I did and, and some others in the chat. There, there, there is pretty much no opportunity for wage growth uh, and, and many other things that that we, whether we, we may have believed it, whether it happened or not is a different thing. But like, I, I just cannot see this type of thing working. I'm, I, I, we didn't get enough time to press him on on what other states and how well it's working there. Um, I imagine it's the outcomes are different for fellows there's, versus there's teams, very you know? little there's very little documentation on that just to let you yeah. know because I searched well so did I I couldn't find anything but uh, you, you know uh, I, I suspect that it would be very difficult with felons anyway I, I mean there's that's a complicated situation to 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 come out of an institution like that and try and and, and kind of uh, live live a kind of normal life within a short period of time but you know for people entering the 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 labor market uh i i just can't see this um being an incentive and we never really clarified as well like you know if you did three months here will that carry over to the next job it doesn't appear to be the case it seems to be very voluntary and ad hoc um and uh i don't think my my initial reaction was uh when we first encountered this guy is like you know this is wage suppression and this guy is just a you know i don't think i think he's coming from a good place i just think that um it's not going to work um, but mostly it's not going to work because retail is the reason we're all talking tonight. Retail is probably the biggest problem in the bloody room because if they got an opportunity to exploit, they will. Absolutely. And, and that, that is the problem because even if his intentions were good and it could, it may work for certain situations, um, he, he spoke passionately about, uh, you know, if you have a good employee, you want to keep a hold of them, you want to make sure. Yeah, I've been in there too, and I've been told to let them go because we didn't have the budget. Correct. Correct. And and that's the whole point. And, you know, if, if Blaine, take us a great idea, but, you know, I think when we looked at the donors, I think that pretty much tells us what we need to know on who wants this. Um, but... You know, Hero brought up a point. What about a bill that helps teachers get paid additionally for teaching these third grade reading level adults? True. And, and, but you know, at the same time, you know, we're, we're talking about we're giving them something rather than nothing. You know, it's better than being unemployed. And, but here's the thing a living wage is a human right. All right. And so now you're, you're segregating people. You're saying these people aren't worth the living wage, but oh, here's something. You no, no, sir, you can't have steak. But here's bologna. It's 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 not steak, but it's something, you know. And it's it, it doesn't make any sense. And I think with the labor market the way it is, and you know, honestly, this the underlying thing here may be this in his mind. He has to encapsulate all sorts of other groups in this, but he, where he's coming from, in his mind, this may just be for form, you know, former felons. You just have some other people that are going to fall through the cracks, and and but you know the fact that he admitted he knows. I mean, retail's going to exploit it. it there, there's there's no if ands or buts about it. It's going to, and that's the thing that you know I think that he misses the point on, and that's why you know I said you know I was complicit in doing these things because I was told to do these things, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have a choice. 
And, you know, look, we have said numerous times, you know, my whole thing is employees are more than a controllable expense. Guess what you just did for six months? You made them the controllable expense. And that's going backwards. I mean, it really is. It is. I think that's one thing that he may not realize because I can only presume that he has not been in retail, like going to guess that. Um, but a bigger obstacle to getting people who were formerly incarcerated to a normal life, uh, a bigger obstacle than the wage is probably HR. Yes, because, absolutely. You know, you know, they're the they 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 run background checks, and at least over here, um, some of the background checks come back yes or no. All right. Mm-hmm. So, do they have a criminal record or don't they? Now, your criminal record could be for having a bag of weed when you were eighteen, and it could be thirty years later, and it'll come back yes. Or it could be murder. I mean, you know, it, that's not exactly ideal. So, so, and some companies have this black and white thing of absolutely not. You just, you know, so a, a, a bit, there are more obstacles than the wage to people coming out of incarceration to gaining employment. Than, you you know, know, I'm wondering if he had to package it this way, maybe he thought he had no chance in hell of passing any kind of legislation that was specifically for felons. And so he well, had. He to, didn't seem to want to talk about teens too much. It's, uh, yeah, it's possible. Um, uh, I, I get that fr- from the little bit of research that I was able to do on the guy. It it does seem to be uh, felons that 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 is the passion. You know, get getting the back and, to. And you know, I, I've got to give credit there. I mean, that's admirable. And and I don't. It is. Yeah. And and, and I don't think. And you know, he, he, I think one of the points he made, and and I, I would think everybody here would agree if we took retail and all that if we just look from the the reformative aspect you know he's probably one of very few people out there that's trying to do something for felons you know to my knowledge um especially in the southeast so i just wish this was more you know if that's your passion and that's what you're really trying to do, it needs to be called for what it is. But the problem is he may not be able to have any backing on that without dumping everything else into it too. And of course, retailers and, and Disney are going to jump all over that boy. You think Disney going to jump all over some training wages for some, some, some park help. Oh yeah. You know, well, uh, he, he also, uh, I, I brought up the point about um, the fact that inflation is more or less, you know, completely eradicated any sort of, um, you know, minimum wage floor that there used to be. Um, and, and, and I brought up, and it is true, um, that, you know, when I started out, you know, one week's wages covered a month's rent for me. Now, granted, I was living in an absolute dump, but, you know, you get the idea. You're, you know, you're a teenager. Right. But that just doesn't exist. I can't think of a teenager today that could pay rent with a week's wages. <laughs> and we're in the Western world. It's None. Just, so, so that's the world that, entry level people are dealing with today so um that that's you know that's something that you know he didn't really have an answer for that and he you know he said you know government just don't have all the answers that's true i'm not blaming government though i i i i'm not on the the the, the government war zone i'm on the retail war zone i i really do think it's businesses that have crushed the wages for 30 years and and have crushed opportunities and have absolutely uh, you know they they, they I mean, we did an episode a couple of months back where we looked at the the the, 
inflation versus the wages versus stock prices. And the stock prices was the one that was just exponentially ridiculous. You know, they were in the thousands of the percent over the same period of time that wages went up like 20, you know. Um, so I think that they're the culprits. And that's what I was trying to get about. There should be some sort. I know you don't like interfering with business, the free market and all that. But, you know, you did it with Standard Oil. You're probably going to have to do it with Amazon. You know, um, I'm surprised you haven't done it with some other companies. Because otherwise, <laughs> it's no wonder anti-work on Reddit are so big. You know? Right. I think as as fun, uh, I, I'm going to tell you guys the questions I did not get to read. And Irish, you know, you can do the same. Um, you know, it's the one thing I wanted to ask was what was his thoughts on some outlets pushing the narrative that he is actively trying to exclude felons, those under the age of 21 and hard to hire employees from the minimum wage hike. And then I had, um, let's see. Are there any plans or a framework being developed to levy any kind of punishment to companies found abusing the legislation? And if so, what agency, if any, would be responsible for oversight and investigations of allegations of abuse? Um, on the matter of businesses exploiting or abusing the legislation in order to maximize profitability by running a lower payroll expense, there really is no legal way to prevent a business from using this as a continual cost-saving tool and paying a sub-minimum wage for the sake of profitability without further further legislation. Correct? Um, so it, it's... And, and he kind of alluded to when I asked about going to another job that it would, once again, he said it was voluntary. So yes, the possibility is 100% there to go from one training job with some experience and get stuck for another six months at another training job. Nothing is stopping that from happening at all. So was there anything that you wanted to ask Irish that we just didn't have time for? Well, actually, to be fair to the guy, I prepared a lot tougher questions on the kind of um, unfounded assumption that guy was a bit, uh, I was just incorrect about it. He really does seem genuine. Uh, So I had some tough questions for him, assuming that, uh, you know, he was just, you know, a a stooge for the uh, big business. But I don't think he is. I do think he's wrong. In some of the uh, in his approach, but uh, I think his intentions are are at least appear to be genuine. Um, I mean, you know, I I I would I wanted to ask him what he thought that uh, a living wage was, but didn't get an opportunity. But I'm not sure uh, what he would have said about that. Um, and uh, I did want to ask him about youth unemployment in other states. Uh, but uh, I think you said there was very little available about that. There's anyway. very, very little. And and like yeah. I said, the key there, though, is, is you know, 21 or under. Well, no, actually, the other states is 20 and younger, and it's 90 consecutive work days. Now, I understand the concept of poker, and I'm going to mm. say six months, but I can pull it back. But what happens if it's presented in its current form and it is – voted upon and passed. So, I mean, and and it's, I mean, it's politics. I mean, face it. I mean, and, and, you know, he is right. I mean, it's his last year. He really doesn't have anything, you know, 
that he doesn't seem like he's wanting to put his flag in something and saying, ha ha, this is my last hurrah as I go out. And I'll be honest with you. He kind of came across as half hearted to think it would even get passed. Yeah, he did. Uh, and to be, when he did make that statement, it was, I was not aware that there was term limits when he did point out that like he essentially, you know, he can't really be in the pocket of anyone right now because he can't get reelected. I did kind of dampen my powder and just say, okay, uh, that does actually make quite a bit of a difference um, because, you know, he doesn't really have much to lose um, by saying whatever he wanted to say right now. Uh, so I do think I would not be surprised if he went on to, um, you know, in some sort of a consultant role, try to try to do something with uh, ex felons or whatever. But I do, I do think he needs to brush up on his retail, um, because sincerely, I mean this. If he is listening back, uh, you know that there there is definitely something to be learned from this podcast about how if you really do want to make a change from getting people with shady backgrounds into the workforce. The problem is more than likely the big business. It's not the mom and pop shops. I don't, I think we're we're almost a year on the air now. I don't think once ever we've ever had a negative comment about a mom and pop shop. It's that's not what, who we're taking the you know the pops at. It's it's uh, it's the big business, the big HR departments that that throw these obstacles. And you, how many good employees, Steve, have you lost over the years because you were told to let them go? We didn't have the budget. You know, that's the problem. And it'll well, be exactly the same. With you the know, I told the story last week about having an employee that worked for me for quite a few months and I was getting ready to make a move and give her keys because exactly. she was great. And I get a phone call. You got to fire her. She's got a record. I'm like what? You know, exactly. I mean, you know how much that sucks. Not only do you have a person that's doing a great job, they're getting rewarded for it. And all of a sudden their job's gone. She pro she she gave me no problems. I mean, no, was never suspected of anything or or nothing. There there were no red flags with her. I mean, she was about as perfect as you can get. You know, um, as you know what you're looking for. Um, I will say this though, um, if she happens to check this out, I still would like to have Representative Angie Nixon on to get her take on this. Um, you know, it, I think that would be great to have the opposing view, um, you know, from direct competition or whatnot. Uh, but, you know, it's been enlightening. And the one thing I want to tell everybody that's watching is, you know, this is a pretty big watershed moment for us because, you know, we just had a senator on. It gives us some legitimacy. It shows that we're not clickbaity. And we're out here trying to fight the good fight. So I think, you know, that's amazing. And for all you guys who've come along, you know, the ride with us, we appreciate it. Um, and like Hero said, you know, he, he came across a lot more likable than what we probably all thought. Now, Irish and I had been watching video, so we kind of had an idea what we were getting into. Um, as far as his demeanor, he's an extremely intelligent individual. And, you know, after talking to him, yeah, I do believe his heart's in the right place but just a little misinformed or a little too trusting of big business because I'm telling you, we all know it. We've all done it. We've all dealt with it. God bless. It's you. I'm sorry. You've got retailers out there right now foaming at the mouth, wanting this to go down. I'd be think about it. It's like, Oh, I only have to pay people. You know, I'm saving money. You know, that's how they look at it. It's more, it's more, more change in the pocket of the CEOs. And, uh, but you know, 
it's uh it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out and honestly i don't think it'll get voted in to be perfectly honest with you i don't think he thinks it's going to get voted in and you know with his history of justice reform and things like that you know um i can see where he's coming from and uh Yes, those poor employees are going to be abused 100%. Yeah, look at how abused they are now. I mean, it's not going to change. You know, blame taxes, Amazon will be all over this. Yes, they will. And it's the repeat offenders. I mean, it's the people we all know that are going to do it. And, you know, maybe he's just not, you know, he's not into that segment. He doesn't He doesn't know. And, and you know, if he if he really doesn't know, I mean, he's obviously not naive enough to believe that people won't do it. I think he's hopeful that that people won't take advantage of it, but he he's fully aware that people will. But I don't think he understands the gravity of how many will do it. And um, we've all worked for enough companies and seen enough emails and, and had enough conference calls to know. I'm sure there's a bunch of businesses there just chomping at the bit ready for this. Like, please pass, please pass, please pass. You know, they're just going to be mad that they can't take their current employees and drop their pay down to training pay. That's going to be the thing that pisses them off. But by God, you know, what better way to get rid of high wage employees? Oh, find something wrong with them. Ride them up out the door. I'm going to replace you with three ten dollar an hour people. You know, it's uh, it's great. So um, here says so if you say it's this or go back to selling drugs, which is more likely to pay the rent? That's a very, very good um, analogy. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Irish? I mean, you make more money. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I know it was probably said in jest, but I mean, that that's how people will think. Yeah. Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, like you know, Breaking Bad was a good show for a reason. Well, yeah, and 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 I could see this backfiring and turning, you know, convicted felons back into felons. You know, it, it's a. Uh, overqualified for the job is now a bad thing in Florida, huh? Yeah, that's, it could be It could be seen that way. Um, the fuck today is right. This is why full-time is gone. You have to give full-time benefits. Bet no more full-timers. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Imagine you've got 15-hour-a-week part-time trainee, trainees for six months. Boy, I bet you, I bet you, There'll be a big increase in trainees right around October first <laughs> every year. You're absolutely right. Uh, although uh, there's a silver lining in everything, just just for a bit of fun. Um, I I I would like to see um, some of these uh, um, Karens try to take on some of these characters. Um, it would it'd be interesting. Ooh. I ima- I I imagine they wouldn't um, be too partial to. <laughs> Uh, two Karens uh, somehow. This is America. <laughs> um, so real quick before we go, I'll tell you what we got coming up. So next Wednesday, um, it's been confirmed. I just got to get the details ironed out. Uh, I'm going to have the president of the National Workplace Bullying Coalition, um, which is going to be awesome. And, uh, you know, I highly suggest check out their website and see what they got going on. Um, as it stands right now, the very first week of February, I will be dealing with the whole Justice for Evan situation. Um, we'll have a couple of days of content for that. Uh, it's kind of interesting we'll be doing that right now as Kroger is just getting crucified. 
with, you know, the, the different strikes that are coming and then the survey that's been all over the news talking about, you know, employees talking about their treatment and whatnot. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it'll probably be kind of emotional. So I just want to warn everybody, you know, if you haven't researched what happened to Evan, I highly recommend that you do. So, so you're not a hundred percent coming into this blind because it's going to floor you. If you do, you're going to be like, holy shit, that really happened. And, uh, and then after that, you know, blame tag finally got Scott Sice's attention or maybe his, his secretary or something. So we're still pushing on that one. Um, he actually, uh, Scott Sice did a, a post something about his New Year's resolution was to quit procrastinating and blame tag scooped in, swooped in and said, <laughs> quit procrastinating about being on the retail war zone. And he got a like. <laughs> so, so um, also too, Irish had, I haven't told you this yet, Irish. Irish had an idea for me to reach out to several different people to get them on the show. And one of them was Russell Brand. Um, that's a no-go, but I actually heard from Russell Brand's people, Irish. Oh. They actually emailed me back and they said, you know, we really appreciate it. Said, unfortunately, from now and probably the next six months, he's got too much, you know, going on to be able to schedule anything, but to please keep in touch. Hmm. That would be a very interesting one. I don't think we could work that out with the time zones, though. I think it's the same as me. Is it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, he's the, he's UK. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. So, but anyway, guys, um, you know, spread the word. January's going to be a banger. Um, it's, it's going very, very well. Uh, I like where we're heading. Um, we're going to make sure to continue to take the high road on things. Um, we'll have, you know, individual episodes here and there where it's more like humor and funny and whatnot. But most of stuff, we're just... Hero says, Irish is telling you to suck it up, Steve. Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, everybody have a great night. Um, I'm going to go export this. The RSS uh, audio will be up here shortly. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I once again want to say I appreciate Senator Brandis coming on. I think that's awesome. Like I said, you know, regardless if you agree to disagree, um, it's still awesome. He took the time to do this, even though it was like 45 minutes or whatnot. Yeah, I, I do appreciate it. So um, all you guys. Take it easy, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you all next week.